0: welcome back to keeping it real with Mani and lani y'all are tuning in to episode seven black health disparities and with us we have two guests halam and ayan and they're going to be helping us focus on the black health disparities that specifically affect black women's health but first let's start off with our segment are you keeping it real when we discuss and analyze trending twitter posts and decide whether people are keeping it real or not on Twitter. So without further ado, we're gonna start with Ahlam.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Ahlam. I'm so excited to be here. I love keeping it real with Moni and Lonnie. Love hearing their voice. I feel like I'm part of the conversation. It's so nice. I love it. So my tweet of the week is by X0Mina. They said, I hate meaningless checkups. You don't give a fuck. You're just nosy. I really relate to that a lot. I feel like During the pandemic, I'm also guilty of this, but people just only check up on others when they want tea or they got tea, and it's never, like, actual, like, um, checkups to see if you're mentally okay, how you're doing health-wise, so yeah, I think that we should change that.
0: And a big thing I also noticed is that people will either check up on you because they're nosy or they won't check up on you, and they're, like, a close family member, and so you don't know (laughs) if they're dead or not, and it's mad weird. So I feel you on that, sis.
2: I was gonna say I agree with I agree with everything. People just be hitting you up just for the tea. And it's like it's crazy. You was hitting my lineup for four months though.
1: No, you know what's so funny? Or like they'll find they'll hear something from the streets and they're too shy to like actually like, you know, text you about it. So you have a meaningless phone call. So I'm out here answering a scared, like who died? Is everybody okay? And they're like, so what I was here, what I heard was and I'm like, really? Really?
2: Next caller, next. But, yes, that's all the tea right there. But this goes into my tweet because, you know, we just got to keep dragging, niggas. We're going to drag even more people. Um, this tweet is from Lust Felicia. And they said, I'm going to start saying Americans like I'm not from here. Honestly, America is fucking ghetto, like, with everything going on right now. It's just proving to everyone that we are dusty. And so, I started from today. I'm from the U.K., so I don't claim America. I don't know what that is. So don't call me American,
1: period. Well, I'm happy that you found a new country, but I heard that you guys are literally like fighting for free, reduced lunch. So good luck with that one. Good luck with that one. You know, Trump did not take away my free lunch, but Boris did. So I'm I'm really sorry.
2: I know you're not talking about free lunch when you guys stay getting attacked on these streets, like you can't even walk. You can't even walk freely as a black Muslim woman. Like, I don't understand. I don't get it. Just kidding, guys. I'm from America. I claim this country. Um, I'm stuck here. Anyways, um, I want to introduce our next guest, Ayan, and she's gonna give us a tea on her tweet.
3: So, hi. My name is Ayan. It's my first time on, so I'm a little bit shy. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But I'm honored to be here. Um, so my tweet is the unprovoked lying and selective historical amnesia white people resort to to protect the preconceived sanctity of their white supremacist nation's hegemony by at queer uh, socialism. And, you know, apparently when certain things in history come up, there's just amnesia, like it's not even diagnosed or anything. It's just out of the blue. And it's very common in American history. Actually, it's common to white people, but you know what I'm saying. So
2: (laughs) he, I just want to say, I need you to break down, you know, hegemony for us, but also there is amnesia because when you bring up the racism stuff, they're like, oh, that never happened. We never heard of her. And then all the good stuff. They're like, look at America. We're just so amazing. And it's like, where's the amazing parts? I just can't find it. Can you, can you show me where they are? But yeah, I need Ayan to break that down for us real quick and for our listeners
3: you know, I'm kind of rusty. Um, (laughs) Hegemony is usually like the power structure, if that's correct, like just how power is distributed within a society. And, you know, in American, it's very hegemonic. And we see that from like the 1% to the lower class. So a very hegemonic structure of like, it's a very like upward level, if that makes sense, like top is elite and the lower is like,
1: you know, poor people. Also, it's so funny how the amnesia goes missing when they try to tell you that racism doesn't exist. Because they always say, like, you know, back in the day it was crazier. But I'm like, you literally told me back in the day it did not exist. But now you're using it as a reference. That's a lot, Bob. That's a lot. A lot is going on there.
0: They did just be showing their true colors when they say shit like that doesn't make it any better. Like, there's, there's no good level of racism. Like, what does that mean?
2: My favorite one is when we talk about health and everyone brings up the syphilis experiment and they're like, oh, it only happened one time. I'm like, oh, so it's okay for Black people to be used as experiment only one time. But it happened multiple times with eugenics and racism happening historically for so long in this country. It just doesn't add up for me. It just doesn't add up. I hate it here.
1: Bro, if we use that same argument, it's silly them saying slavery only happened once, you know, colonization only happened once. But I'm like, do you not see the effect? even like Trump saying he's the least racist person, it's literally every white person in Seattle, like we're all from Seattle, but Seattle people think that just because they're liberal, they have a past. They go, I'm not racist. I went to the two Black Lives Matter protests. Did you not see me there? And I'm like, Melissa, you literally that in one before. I know you did. Shut up. Shut up. It doesn't erase. Like it still has its effects. You traumatize somebody by your actions. Like it's still there. Like, come on, Melissa. I don't know why I'm dragging Melissa because that's literally my professor's name, but yeah. I feel like
3: white people are very selective in the things they pick and choose to throw at you because they'd be like oh the 1964 civil rights act was an amazing thing to happen to black people but they are here calling you the n-word every other day like girl pick a struggle and also just a lot of the things that It's not even that long. If people are still alive, who can remember what happened since, like, 1918 or 1900s? Girl, it was not a long time ago. There are living people alive and breathing who can attest to these historical moments. So, they just need to shut their yappers.
0: Also, I'm going to pause this. Okay. So, uh, my tweet, I don't know why I closed it, but it's by Kimberly. Kimberly. And the tweet is, stop dehumanizing the homeless, stop pretending you don't spend money on alcohol and drugs, and stop defending a system that was never meant to protect you either. And that's just, bam, like, that's it. Like, there's no explanation needed on top of that. Because y'all motherfuckers be thinking, this system is here to protect you, and as a matter of fact, it's here to kill you. So you need to obviously pick your battles, because homeless people aren't your enemy.
3: And also, when we talk about homeless people, can we say people experiencing homelessness? It's kind of like home. when you say homeless people, you're dehumanizing them. So like humanizing them, that's why this word that has words, I feel like a, a lot of people don't understand, holds so much power and significance. Like people experiencing homelessness, it's not their fault. When you say homeless people, like it's their fault, like they chose to live this life when the reality is like. Systems of systems of oppression are literally the reason why. Why do you see a veteran who fought like fifteen tours? I don't know how many tours these people be on, but you know, living on the streets when he don't when he should be living in a lavish life. He or she risked their life um, to fight for a flag that doesn't even represent
1: anybody in this country. Truly ghetto.
0: Yeah, shout out to Ayan for correcting me.
1: Yeah. Also, I know there. I seen a tweet or like a post about how New York was. Um, letting sidewalks be used as like outdoor um eating and stuff like that and it was so funny like before covid like when um people experiencing homelessness would make the sidewalks and places that like have you know quick like dance so it doesn't rain on them like it was literally like a huge issue like restaurant owners were protesting yeah the city was like getting more patrol in the area and i think for us i think our experience with uh the people experiencing homelessness in seattle is so insane like we have a huge homeless crisis here in seattle and like a huge housing crisis but that has forced like native seattleites like myself to forget that like it's so funny because like we stopped going to areas like um pioneer or like downtown seattle just so we're not seeing that type of stuff and it's so sad because these are people's lives this is their reality and i'm guilty of that like whenever family members come from other states they're always like super shocked and you know they're, like, trying to help, they're trying to do anything they can, and we're, and I always see myself, like, this is normal, but it's not normal, like, people not having a home, people, like, you know, experiencing, you know, extreme poverty, and, like, the, and the two richest men in the world are literally just living a couple blocks down, it just doesn't make sense.
3: Another thing, and it's, you kind of have to think about who is considered a threat to society, like, people who have been Hurt the most in society are always considered a threat to society, which is actually the craziest thing. And it's like unfair because a lot of these people, when you, I work for an organization that gives foot clinics to people experiencing homelessness. And it's 90% of the year where we have rain, but a lot of these people be having a lot of foot diseases and a lot of foot illnesses because they walk around with socks that are wet well obviously when the socks are wet bacteria grows or shoes are wet they walk around and it's like these essential things we take for granted they wear on a daily basis and they don't get the opportunity to get a new pair of shoes or socks and another thing I would say is people experiencing homelessness when they ask you for money don't have that preconceived notion of oh they're going to spend it on drugs girl why is that your business like you just do drugs. What's the difference? They're doing drugs to stay warm. They're doing drugs to see another day, to s- just live through life. And I think a lot of people, society has messed us up to the point where a lot of people need to decolonize their minds and clean it up because it's just a lot of things going on and it's not okay the way that we treat people. We could, it's, we could be in their situation at any point in life. So I agree 100%. I yawn
0: what is your experience with the healthcare system and were you ever unhappy with your service?
3: I would say I feel like I have really good memories, so I remember vivid things from when I was young so when I when I was younger I used to have like a lot of stomach issues just like I don't know where they came from but one of the instances I remember specifically was we went to Valley Medical Center don't ever go there if you're black first of all don't waste your time it's in Renton and um I was throwing up. I'm a minor, first of all. I was like 10. I kept throwing up, throwing up, throwing up, and it was like repeatedly. Obviously, a sign that you need to have a child taken care of right away. But we were there for seven hours, and people who were after us were being checked in. And the thing is, like, all they see when people when you walk into a facility like that, they see a black Muslim woman wearing a jilbab, you know, like a head attire that's very covering, no arms or anything showing. So being that my mom. Obviously, she's been here for, what, like 27 years. There's still this preconceived notion because she, your stereotyped image that she doesn't understand English or no English. So they would, they would push this aside. They got to a point where my mom started picking up the patterns of people who were like two, three hours behind us getting ahead of us. And my mom went up and she advocated for me and was like, you guys are trash. This is a child. And you're letting grown adults who don't even have visible symptoms get ahead of you. And it's like... They'd rather have you suffer and die on their floor than to help you out. So then we just went to Children's, and they gave us the best care possible. But it's not even that. I went back last year to the same hospital, and I had I caught the flu from my little cousins when I went traveling. And then um, I know I'm not supposed to do that, but I had to get home. I had school. And I had an ear infection, and the doctor that came in, First of all, I had to wait like four hours. And then I finally saw a doctor. And the thing that he said was like, he looked in my ear, he was like, Ugh, like, that's disgusting. Like, what is going on in your ear? Like some notion like that. And I'm like, what did I teach you in school? And just seeing those instances of, I would say like, alhamdulillah, like I have a doctor who has always been attentive to like my feelings and my emotions. And before I check in, she, first of all, she's like, an old school doctor where she has a paper um, printer paper and she writes down everything you say so she has a record like if i go get my records there's just a bunch of printer paper and she is attentive to what you have to say what you're feeling rest are you experiencing in the safe space where you um are safe and having to experience that outside especially as a young minor as well as like as a grown-up and having to learn to advocate not only for yourself but also like your family members because you end up being a translator a lot of the times I go with my family members and it's like that barrier so I also have to show them we know English I don't know why they think that it's okay to use these terms and knowing people in medical school they don't teach people cultural humility which cultural humility first of all if you ever hear the word cultural competency that term is outdated and you shouldn't be competent in someone's culture you should be culturally humilative. and the reason why I say that is because you need to understand an individual's culture you need to recognize the patterns you need to not immerse yourself in the individual's culture to understand how they live and I think that's one thing about like medical school that I heard of like they don't teach that. I think there's like a uh, one week in the first year that they teach these students everything about cultural humility and all these like important public health things of how to basically patient care. They don't know how to do patient care at all. They just learn the science and chemistry and biology and physiology behind the human body and they don't have any human skills. But yeah.
0: I think one huge thing for me when I like first was ever truly experiencing healthcare was I had like such great interactions with my doctor. My doctor was, you know, my family doctor for all of like my siblings and my parents. Uh, She helped my mom deliver me and my siblings. And so we already had like this ongoing relationship since I was a kid with her. And so, you know, shout out to her because she showed me what a true doctor should look like. But I have recently like been seeing a doctor because I have a health condition and my specialist doctor, he was the worst. Like he invalidated every single thing I felt, pretended what I was experiencing was like okay and normal when in reality it really wasn't because I was going to other doctors and they were telling me, this is not normal. I was getting other doctors telling me, oh, you need to go actually see these type of people because that's something that even your specialist doctor can't even help you with. And I was just sitting there like, dang, like homeboy is really playing me right now. So I can really like attest to like doctors that are super negligent and like, don't give a shit about like their, their patients and don't care about the way they interact with people. They're just solely on like this idea that you don't have to interact with your actual patient and make them feel comfortable to take care of them. Like, I don't know why that's not taught in med school. And I heard a lot of things about like the way they teach doctors nowadays and how they don't even understand the way in which like health affects different like groups of people because of social factors that hinder people's health. So It's crazy. Like I heard so much things. So I really attest to like what you're saying about doctors not caring about people. But Halam, what do you think?
1: This is like my favorite topic. Growing up, um, I remember I had a Muslim doctor um, and all my mom's friends and like would always talk about good doctors. And I always thought it was weird. I was like, bro, just get your own doctor. It's not that deep. Like, why is it so hard to find a good doctor? I just that's my thought as a kid. He was a dope guy. Like he was Muslim, obviously. So he understood like, you know, our he had, we had so much similarities and stuff like that but he was like super like respectful and stuff like that. And as we got older, like people would always like question my mom why like, we still have a male doctor, but he never like, you know, overstepped his boundaries. He was amazing. And then obviously like Alhamdulillah, when I was young, I was like really healthy. I never had like health scares or anything like that. But then the opposite happened to me. I developed an autoimmune condition um in college, meaning my body and my health just started crippling. Down whole spine. Um so ever since then I've literally become a statistic in the healthcare system. I, I've always read about like how black women are treated by doctors, but bro, when you're experiencing it, it's a different type of struggle. So like when you have autoimmune, a lot of times doctors just ignore the symptoms and stuff like that. and They don't take it serious. Um, and for me, even like, it took me, like, one day, I remember in November, I literally could not get out of bed, guys, like, it was a few years ago, I was, like, di- I felt like I was dying, and I went to the hospital, I was, like, look, you need to do blood work, like, something's off, and I had to fight for that blood work to be done, like, I had to, like, literally, like, memorize all the symptoms, like, fight for it, and it's literally based on, in med school, these people are taught black women are stronger, and they can do, you know, they can uh, hold pain, Um, and unless I'm bed for a few weeks, these people will not take any of my symptoms serious, which is so toxic, but yeah, like, it's so insane like my specialist was the same so a lot another t is doctors are not taught about nutrition in med school so when you tell your doctor that oh when i went on a gluten-free and dairy-free diet my thyroid decided to be better and they go that's why bitch let me hit you up with more steroids let's let's pack it up let's give you more and it's like so me my mom my specialist one day had a whole major argument like it was it was literally you would thought a bunch of girls were fighting and it's because she was trying to get me on like high dose of medication for pregnant women, like the amount of dose pregnant women take. But it was literally she, all she had to tell me was to change my diet. All she had to tell me was to work out. And so it's so weird, because I still feel this way. I recently changed my my doctors, don't go to CHI, CHI, Highline, whatever you want to call it, worst clinic on the planet. I started going to UW medicine. Mm, I'm not really a fan of UW, but it's doing me good right now. But I always felt like it was a competition. So with my mean every three, six months, they take blood work. But I always feel like it's a competition between me and my doctors. Like, it's me proving them right. Like, yeah, bitch, look what my body can do. Ho, you thought you thought you can catch me slipping. My it's literally so toxic. It's like, imagine you're going into your doctor and you really feel like you're in high school. You're about to have an argument with your doctor to take you serious. It's like, I hate it. But yes, yeah, so every um, few months when I go to the hospital, it's it's me and the doctor. It's me against the world. I go to the hospital. I'm fighting everybody. I'm like, I need this blood work done. I need this done. And then after a few struggles, they finally let me. And then I'm always right. So. It's, it's I'm not even trying to be cocky, but I'm always right because I know my body. So it's insane.
3: I feel like when you have a good doctor who meets all your standards and all the, your needs, you kind of match that. To ev- you kind of have this already perceived notion that that's what you expect from other doctors. And I think a lot of people are very um, naive, I would say, because... A lot of people aren't familiar. I think just like the way that we interact with healthcare at a young age, like we just have one doctor, one pediatrician, or family doctor, and we see them until, we've, we've, until we 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 until kicked off the insurance basically. And from there on, I think like one of the things that I realized like looking back and like just my journey with public health is the way that doctors talk about certain things. And I think one thing for me was like when I was going through my health crisis, like, over a period of time, doctors would say like, whoa, as a team, we are looking at this X, Y, and Z. Then other factors that contribute to not only the doctor, the specialist, the nutritionist, like if doctors use that holistic sense of like, not only they're the ones who know everything. And I think that's because society has held doctors up to a high standard of like, no, you don't hold all the knowledge in the world. There are other people, health professionals, who have a lot of knowledge. And I think one thing like a lot of people discredit is, a lot of us have become WebMD like doctors. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I search up my own symptoms and I diagnose myself and I go to the doctor and it ends up being right. But that's because there's such mistrust with the healthcare system. And it's kind of very sad to the point where it's because the system is built a certain way where people of color, specifically black people, are pushed aside and seen as non-deserving and i remember my friend who's in medical school she was telling me that there is um when they're doing um kidney testing there's a specific test where they have different measures but one of the measures is very anti-black in the sense that the way they measure for black patients their necr- nephrons in their kidneys which are like the little things that help filter out your kidneys is very different compared to a white patient so And they would over-prescribe a person who is Black because of these racial practices. And I think unless you study the healthcare system and the health delivery system, you will not understand. From the day you enter the system to the day you die, there will always be racism embedded because it's taught in schools. You experience it and you see it and you witness it play out. Like,
0: I 100%
3: agree. Like, me and Ahlam,
0: have been having this constant struggle of dealing with our autoimmune disease. And it's been not only a struggle because we've had to constantly find new doctors that actually take our health concerns seriously, but it's also like having to over explain ourselves in order to actually get proper care. Like I have to sometimes exaggerate my symptoms so that I'll just get checked. And it's like the fact that you just won't take what I actually am experiencing seriously is ridiculous. So like recently I had, I have been experiencing eye swelling. So like my eyes will constantly swell up, not normal. I've never had that happen to me before. And when I tell you, I have told three different doctors about my eye swelling and they all say, oh, like it, it probably doesn't have to do anything with your thyroid. Like you probably just like, you probably, your eyes are just probably tired or something. I was like, yo, like this, this don't happen. This is not normal. Like, why are you guys just okay with this? it just goes to show that like, they're very negligent about the way that they really take on like black women's health when it comes to, you know, the healthcare system. And I always tell myself like, Oh, this is normal. Like it's normal that doctors sometimes misunderstand your symptoms and misunderstand what you're actually experiencing. But in reality, I'm like, I I don't, I've never had this much of like a backlash on like wanting to get actual help and not getting back the reciprocated concern for my own health like i feel like when i go to the doctors like i'm dead ass about to die like <laughs> they just don't care like i'm like it's cool bro at the end of the day like y'all don't care about my health so i'm probably gonna die anyways like i don't even want to go anymore i understand that you know we're hella naive when it comes down to things like wanting a, a great doctor because in regards to like the health care and like medical school. <laughs> They just don't be teaching people enough about, you know, making sure that they aren't being biased when they practice medicine. So it just sucks.
1: Also, the other thing that pisses me off that they do is, like, when you do, like, come up with research, a lot of doctors forget how much um, people are in tune with their bodies. Like, if I'm feeling you know, nauseous. I'm not making that up, my guy. I feel super nauseous. Or if I'm feeling really fatigued, I know what that means. But sometimes like I will do research and I'll be like, oh, I think this is something I am going through, you know? And they will just shut it down. Like, I don't know. Old people only get that. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you said the same thing before you gave me my autoimmune disease. You literally said only people who are 30 plus or 40 plus. Like, I don't, my body, I'm telling you right now, I don't fit into the statistic. I need you to tell me another reason why I don't think I don't have this. They just shut it down. It's like so quick. And then sometimes I have to remind them like, so painful periods are another thing that's common with, women who have hormonal issues or thyroid conditions like I and a couple weeks ago so TMI but I for the past few months I've been going to the ER because of how painful my periods are so last time I just got fed up with these people because I'm like look I'm not gonna come here every month I'm not but I have to because I'm dying and I said, so you're telling me, I said, it's normal for somebody to be bedridden when they're on their period and you, you don't got a cure for that. She starts shaking. And I was like, no, it's not. And I was like, I'm in pain. I can't walk. That's not normal. I have to, you just think that, like, am I going through it? Like, how is this person who's supposed to be helping me with my pain telling me I'm not in pain? Like, how? How are you telling me, honey, I think you can walk. I think you can walk. I've had my period for a long time for now what What does and what does not work? And this is not normal, ma'am. Next, like... It's just, it's so bad. I just don't understand what they're teaching these people in med school because it's like, how are you going to belittle somebody's, you know, symptoms? How are you going to tell somebody you're not feeling what you're feeling? And the, you guys, everybody should watch this uh, documentary called Unrest and it's talking about chronic fatigue syndrome and also talks about other autoimmune conditions. But it was saying that a lot of autoimmune, because they're made up by women, doctors were so, they didn't, they refused to research it for a long time because they thought these women were being crazy and delusional and they would take them to psych wards and stuff like that. And I'm like, imagine somebody's in pain and you people refuse to believe them to the point where you're taking them to psych ward. Like, you're doing a lot. And some countries still practice that, like Scandinavia, Denmark, and stuff like that. They literally take young women from their parents who have chronic fatigue syndrome and they place them in the uh, psych ward because they refuse to believe that they're in pain. And I'm like, and this is the medical field you want me to trust as a black woman? <laughs> if white women are going through a baby, I ain't trying to do with that. I ain't, no.
2: I was going to go off of what you guys are talking about with neglect. So you guys all know, but I had like a really bad facial infection earlier in the summer. And I think part of it was because I haven't been outside for so long. I actually took quarantine serious. I'm like, you motherfuckers have been outside. Um, and so I think my immune system was kind of weaker. But anyways, the only event that I had been to that week was like a drive through for like grad so like i would seen hella people but like I still had a mask on I don't really know how I got this infection anyways my face really became the size of a football it was just disgusting it was just so big like I don't it looked like I had lipo but it was done wrong on my lips like it just was not cute like it was not good and so I was like okay maybe I'm just tweaking out maybe I'm just having allergic reaction let me just take allergy med- medication I have allergies but my allergies are like for dust so like I'll like get really I'll sneeze a lot and stuff but nothing with like items like I'm not allergic to like food or certain pills so I was like okay what could I have been allergic to and then you know I try to push it off for like three to four days to see if I could just take pills to get the swelling down and nothing was working so I was like okay maybe I actually got infected by something and I just don't know what it is so I call my doctor and they like You know, this is still like hyper COVID time. So they're like, okay, we can book you an online consultation. And then if it's serious, you can come in. And so I book an online consultation with not my doctor, doctor, but just a doctor who's on staff. And then I'm talking to him and I'm telling him like how I got the infection, how long I've had it for, what I think it is, when, how I'm confused. And then he just looks at my face like this, like through the screen, like how we're looking at each other right now. And he's like, are you sure you didn't get hit in the face? Like you sure you didn't get like abused? And I just stopped. Like, I was like, is this nigga dead ass serious? Like, well, like when I tell you I almost closed the screen, I was so pissed off. I was like, this nigga did not make me come on here. Pay him for a consultation to ask me if I got hit. Nigga, I would know if I got slapped in the face, motherfucker. Like, I was so mad. Drop his race. Oh, yeah. He was a white man. Anyways, so he was trying to ask me if I got hit. And I was like, are you trying to say, like, my family abuses me, nigga? Like, what the fuck? I got so angry. And then he was like, okay, I'm going to try to look up your condition. Like, nigga's literally on Google. I said I could have done that at home by myself like I was just so confused and at that point like the infection was hurting my face so much that I just wanted something to like at least help with the swelling and the pain but he just was not like he wasn't trying to help us out so yeah I had to go into the doctor's office and like this um they finally gave me a real appointment and then she like was like oh I don't really know what's wrong with your face but like here's some antibiotics like it'll help and it did help with the swelling and then after I was like oh like are you gonna run tests so like I know how to like prevent this in the future and she was just like oh it's just like an infection from probably touching stuff like try not to do that anymore and just like be really careful because I guess the infection got in through my nose which they originally told me it was food so I was just like okay this is not I'm confused but yeah she just told me to be careful I was so hot I hate when they say shit like that like you know he didn't think about it before he said it too because he was just like are you sure you didn't get head like i
1: was like bro he was literally trying to play captain save though he said this is some, this is what i can do i'm gonna be on the news let me save this girl if you got slapped or punched in the face you would have felt that bro you would have felt that you would have known like what is he imagining
3: the thing is like when they do stuff like that and like the first instinct is being rude and very dismissive it's like what is it costing you not to do a full diagnosis of like what's going on like Girl, I know you don't got patients. There is COVID going around. Offices are empty. Like, take the time to actually have uh, in-person co- consultation, see what the issue is. Like, why are you guys lazy? What is this laziness? And I consider it laziness because it's, like, why are you not attentive to, like, her needs? Because I know if it was a Caucasian person, you guys would have been jumping like there was no tomorrow. Why are you not – but it's, like, the thing is, like, people – the first thing they think is like, oh, this person's lying. But the thing is, like, society has really put in their minds that women are just dramatic and they're very emotional. Until you are passed out on the floor looking like you're kid, they're not going to give a fuck, to be honest. And that's because society has basically said, oh, women are dramatic, you know. They're very emotional. It's because of their hormones. Girl, no. It's not. You guys are making us delusional. Fuck but-
2: yeah, and just going off of that, I guess like a question for you guys is like, how has this made you feel uncomfortable seeking a health seeking health? Like going out to health professionals and asking for their opinion or just getting going to the doctors, period. Like, how has that made you feel based off of what we just talked about previous experiences or now? Like, do you go in with a different mindset? Like Ahlam was talking about how she has to literally advocate for herself for a doctor to take her seriously. Um, Ayan, you talked about like being neglected or not getting proper care. So I guess, how has this made you feel uncomfortable seeking health care in general?
1: Um, but yeah, I think for me, it has made me realize that, like, I'm a lazy person. So, like, I like, so I've been at CHI, like, almost my whole life. Um, so, like, I just, I'm so slow. Like, I know health workers can be transferable. But, like, I would I literally was dealing with, like, shitty service just because I just like norm Like, I like things, to, I like a structure. Like, I like to go to the same hospital. I like to go to the same dentist. I like to go to the same, you know, salon. Like, I don't like changes like that. So but like because of my experiences I realized that like I have I have to treat healthcare like I treat my food like I, you only can go five star you only can go to the best which is like super annoying and although it's an inconvenience sometimes to like you know drive so far for a hospital or like you know constantly changing your doctor constantly changing your healthcare it's for the betterment of you know your, you at the end of the day just because like um as time goes by obviously if your health is de- deteriorating it's going to affect you it's going to like you know be an inconvenience for you and stuff like that so it's like I think for me, just because I'm a no- just because it's an inconvenience for me to, like, you know, switch doctors, I should not let that stop me from, you know, actually getting the care I deserve. And although, like, having a good doctor as a Black woman is almost impossible, like, I don't care how impossible that is. I'm going to fight for that until the day I get it, because I think that it's so toxic and unhealthy that, like, w- women in general, like, we just feel like you're being delusional. It's so annoying because you're like, am I not speaking English, bro? Did I accidentally start speaking Somali to you? What are you not? Write it up. What are you not getting, like? what language do I have to communicate with you? And, like, I honestly feel like somebody was telling me how a lot of times, like, doctors think Black women are stronger and they can hold pain. I 100% believe that because the way that a lot of doctors, like, just, like, brush off the pain that you're in or, like, the symptoms you have. And sometimes I think I'm going crazy because when I do go to my doctor, as Lonnie said, they say, um, oh, like, you know, that's not part of your thyroid. But I talk to Lonnie I talk to other people who have the same condition as me and we all have the same side effects. So I'm like, so who's lying? And I was talking to this nutritionist guy and he was actually telling me how there's not a lot – enough research done on black women who have autoimmune diseases like there's no research so these doctors literally have nothing to go off of so I'm like you better start writing down my research I'm your I'm your experiment honey come on chop it up let's go let's go new diet you diet like what but yeah 100% like my experience has taught me that like I have to be my biggest advocate and as annoying it as I'm a Karen at the hospital I don't care y'all made me to be the Karen and I'll forever be that Karen you're gonna fix my body that's what I'm paying you to do
0: I know Ahlam and I have constantly had to sit there and validate our symptoms to the point where we're like, yo, if we're able to validate each other's symptoms, how is a doctor not knowing that this is normal? Like this is something that people with autoimmune diseases go through and it just gets, it just gets so crazy. Cause like we already live in a, a whole world that, you know, is very unaccepting of people who have disabilities and like health conditions that really do affect their daily lives. And when we already have to explain ourselves to others around us that aren't health professionals and have to explain the like explain all the things that we go through on a daily basis. Like waking up is hard for me. Going throughout my day is hard for me. And sleeping is hard for me. And the fact that people don't understand that is already hard enough. But then when I have to go to a health professional and convince them that it's also hard. I'm like, what are you studying? How is this your specialty? What, what are you really specializing in? Like invalidating my feelings? <laughs> like I don't get what your specialty's in. And it's so crazy because I literally tell this to my, my whole family. Like I walk into a hospital and I already feel uncomfortable. Like I don't, I can't walk into those facilities anymore and feel like I'm being taken care of because I'm literally on defense mode the moment I walk in like the moment I walk, I'm like talking to the doctors already as if they're going to already invalidate my my symptoms. Like, oh yeah, you're actually not going through that. I'm already on beast mode. Like I'm ready to go in, like hammer that shit down. I have to sit there and journal all my symptoms every day to make sure I'm actually going through a specific symptom for a specific period amount of time so that they'll actually check me. And even when I do that, they're like, no, you couldn't have been going through that. I'm like, homegirl, I've had swollen eyes for two months. How, how, how am I lying about this? What, what do I have to lie about? I literally can't go outside without my eyes feeling like they're burning and on fire. How is it that my cramps are ridiculously bad and my legs are going numb and you're telling me, oh no, that's normal, sis. That's just, that's just what it's like to be a woman. Well, you better fix it.
1: Another tip, sorry to interfere, but I have started taking photos of things just because when you journal, sometimes they ignore it. So yesterday, my mom told me to start taking photos and stuff like that. Also, like, it's so sick to say, but like, literally documenting also what you eat, like, y'all need to come in with your facts, like the journal, have that ready, have the photos. And it's so toxic. But like, this is just our experience. And this has worked for me. Whenever I do come in, and I have a journal, and I have all the symptoms, they kind of get creeped out, like they know you know your shit. Also, go on WebMD and memorize all the symptoms of what you think you have. Add on to it. You know, I convinced my doctor I had colon cancer. That bitch is now checking me for it. So memorize a few things. Um, You know what I mean? Like add a few little spices to the mix. And she gonna think you're a health professional. That is my
2: tea. I'm dying. But you guys made me think about this thing on Twitter where someone was saying if a doctor refuses to either test you or give you a medication that you requested for that they have to document it or something someone correct me if I'm wrong but I think like asking them to do that like scares them so like let's say ahlam you're like oh can you check this for me and they're like no and you tell them that they have to record it I heard that like it basically forces their hand into like doing that for you but it's not crazy that like black women have to go through loops just to get basic health care and needs and like fact that this is like a thing that I think it was a black woman who tweeted it and was talking about for other black women to take note of basically get doctors to listen to them. I was like, imagine going in on defense mode and thinking about how much ammo you have to have so these doctors will take you seriously. I like, was so sick in the head. I'm like, it's so annoying. And you guys are not the first people I've heard this from. Like I've heard this from so many other black women who will tell me the same thing of like, oh, I have to tell my doctor multiple times or I was on my like breaking point or, you know, fainting or something really dramatic happens. Then the doctors are like, oh my God, you weren't lying the past month and a half. And it's like, yeah, why would I lie? So I don't know. It's just, I hear this story. So this type of narrative so often that I'm like, what is the healthcare system doing for us? If this is what we have to do just to get basic healthcare.
0: Yeah. I think it's also mad uncomfortable that even women are expected to have to question their doctor's uh, judgment. Because I will sit there and I I hate having to debate with my doctor. Like, that's the last thing I want to do. Like, I want you to just help me figure out what's going on and let's move on i'm trying to just fix it like they make the issue bigger and like especially with autoimmune disorders like you don't need to be stressed because stress just exacerbates your thyroid levels but okay so speaking on like our experiences too with like the healthcare system do you think as black women mind everyone who is listening we are all black women do you think having a black health professional is necessary? Or do you think it's going to change your experiences within the healthcare system?
3: I ultimately believe that it depends on the facility that they're in. And I say that because when you look at most hospitals, and in your hand, you could probably count the number of Black professionals that work there. And reality is when you work in a facility or institution that is rampant with like systematic racism or um, just white supremacy, it's very hard for a lot of Black doctors, physicians, nurses, health professionals to do their job the best that they can, because ultimately there's a standard of health that is in these systems, you know, like there's an expectation like, oh, we need to have more Black physicians oh we need to have more black lawyers oh we need to have more black this but why isn't the conversation always we need to dismantle these institutions in the first place because when you go into these institutions you can have a black doctor but there's an expectation from their subordinates or the board or anyone who is paying them that they have to act or be a certain way and I think a lot of people don't understand that the way from undergraduate the way that like they weed out black people in uh, stem classes to like medical school they're always on fighting mode they're always on survival mode so it's like if they already have to work 10 times harder to get to where they are imagine how much harder they have to work in an institution well i think it's good to have representation and a doctor who looks like you but then you also need to understand that there is a deficiency within the healthcare system that may limit a doctor from doing what they can because of how normalized it is to neglect your patients and I think the thing is a lot of people they're like I think a lot of things one thing society has done is oh they're black it's okay no at the end of the day just because they are the same race as you just because they are the same identity as you they still need to be held to the same standard as a white person does the same negligent behavior because a lot of these people who identify as this are the ones who are contributing to these horrible health outcomes And I think a lot of people don't realize that, like, until we get rid of all these systems that are so intertwined, I don't think a healthcare system is going to give you the results that you want. And ultimately, I believe, like, I had to get COVID tested the other day, and I didn't realize that, like, (laughs) where I got tested is the public health runs it, but I had to get tested. And because my doctor's office is there, one of the ladies who works in the office, she came in, she kept asking me questions. And one of the questions she asked me was, are you pregnant? And I, I look back and forth like pregnant. Do you not know I'm Muslim? I'm not married. I can't be pregnant. Like I already have in my head that these I expect these people to know, like when they see a Muslim wearing a hijab, like they know that. Oh, do you see Do you? Is there indicator that she's married? You know, and I think that like I'm always in defense mode because of these health scares that I've had or like just like have been treated that i'm just always in defense mode and it's gonna probably be like that forever but until we abolish the system i don't think like it's gonna be i think people just hold high expectations because they are black but sometimes your own people are the ones who hurt you the most and a lot of people aren't ready to face the reality yeah
0: and even speaking on that Ion made a really great point she talked about systemic racism within the healthcare system And I think that needs to be broken down because a lot of people underestimate the ways in which systemic racism actually play a huge role in how the healthcare system even runs. So like, we're going to even just quickly talk about two some things that are very important for people to understand when it comes to systemic racism in the healthcare system. One thing, so two things are race and class and how that plays a huge role in the way that you access healthcare and the way that healthcare looks like for you. So within classism, um, people who have wealth or have a higher income are more likely to have better insurance, insurance that actually provides you better healthcare, better visit experiences, pretty much anything. The better the healthcare, the better the service. And a lot of people who are lower class, low income and even poverty do not get that same type of treatment and the same type of health care access and that then relates to why there's such high rates of people who are experiencing very serious illnesses and diseases and so when people are like oh well why are poor people and low income people always like having things like diabetes high blood pressure why do they always experience things like heart disease lung disease I mean, I could go on. A lot of this stuff is hereditary in the way that class plays a huge role in how, you know, generationally your body and like your genetics through stresses of things like class can mess up the way in which you function as a human being. And then the second one, and then y'all can just tap into this too, is race and how race plays a huge role in the way that your body even functions because of the social social factors in which you're put through since the day you're born not even the day we're born actually before you're born uh especially for black babies because you know a lot of people experience premature births and you know i am gonna go in with that because i know sis knows all about that but yeah like black women experiencing premature births and black babies just not being taken care of and Black mothers being, you know, are being neglected and killed uh, throughout their process of pregnancy up until the day that you die. How many black people are diagnosed with prostate cancer, breast cancer, things like heart attacks, strokes that they're always experiencing because of these social impacts that are really hitting them, and no one wants to talk about it. So. Y'all can chime in, but that's kind of just like my understanding of really how systemic racism does play into healthcare.
1: The issue is the research. The issue is the schools and like the system that they're learning from. Like, let's say I do get a black male who's a, you know, a doctor. I feel like I still have the same experience because of the sexism that was taught to him in the medical field. Um, And like a lot of times people think that just because I'm black, it doesn't mean that, you know, I don't have racist or prejudiced, you know, thinking, but sadly we all do. Um, and I think that it's still the same in the healthcare field because it's like so funny because a lot of um, women who have the condition I have, were white, are really public online, but they're able to access a lot of naturopath doctors and like naturopath nutritionists, holistic health, because they can afford that or their insurance is allowed to pay that. I don't have access to that. And it's, it's like so sad because a lot of uh, tired people are like mainly black women. Like I think 80% of black women have a hormonal imbalance or thyroid. And a lot of the um, main things is stress. So because of the ongoing battle and just like constantly like, you know, fighting the racism, the microaggressions, just being a black woman in general. And I feel like we're, you know, we're constantly have like ongoing stress and that triggers our hormones, which allows us to have an autoimmune disease in the long run. But it's so sad that like this big demographic is not able to access the same type of healthcare as their white, you know, counterparts. Like a lot of these white men have access to these like naturopaths. And I'm so happy that they share their resources online. But it's like so insane to me that like, you know, we we have it's not the equal playing field. Like a lot of them are able to reverse it. Like they're able to beat their disease. Whereas like, you know, our families are dying from it because they do not have the secret, you know, diet plan, the secret medication. There's
3: a few things that came to mind as you guys were talking. In like public health, they break up racism into like a few different categories. One is institutional, obviously that's like systemic racism um, where we also see policies that contribute to the overt racism, overt, like it's on purpose. And then there's interpersonal racism. And I think a lot of people kind of like don't understand what interpersonal racism is. Interpersonal racism is an individual's perceived beliefs and attitudes and behaviors they have with another individual. Like for instance, a lot of the conversation we're having is an example of interpersonal racism where this person already has preconceived notions as well as beliefs and attitudes, and you as a person that they see their implicit biases are being shown to you and that's what it means. And discrimination is also an interpersonal racism internalized racism we see a lot of internalized racism within like colorism in our communities another thing we also talk about is if you guys take the time and look up the socio-ecological model and it's broken up into like six categories i believe and the first one is uh, individual what is it? individual health seeking behaviors like what health behaviors at the individual level are contributing to these factors at the interpersonal level that's like family and relationships like how is that contributing to the health behaviors and then community level what community aspects and like for example like lung cancer and all these things at a community level if you don't have access to a healthcare facility nearby or you don't have access to grocery stores that have good healthy produce and like vegetables grains uh fruits what does that attribute to so you have a higher risk of getting like diabetes hypertension and we've always heard that but at the community level what are things that individuals can do and a lot of things a lot of people do always talk about education if we don't take the time to educate people on these health seeking behaviors they won't understand like what the contributing factors are, and I think that's critically important. As well as there's the institutional level, like hospitals. How are hospitals con- uh, contributing to these health-seeking behaviors? But also the policy level. What are policies, for instance, that are contributing to these negative health outcomes? And a lot of people don't like we always talk about it in public health. But when you take it into the context context of putting in a diagram and then breaking it up, and like at what levels, what interventions can we do to fix these negative health outcomes it becomes critically important that individuals from the community become part of it another thing hold on Uh, just lost it another thing is that a lot of times you always hear data being like stratified or like divided by race and um and ethnicity but the thing is there is a negative side to it being divided by that with an individual like francis we're talking about. At Black and African-American, there are people who are lower class, there are people who have less education, there are people who are immigrants, there are people who are undocumented. There is variations within that specific race category and ethnicity that a lot of people, a lot of health professionals or a lot of researchers don't consider. One, an education level of an individual, for instance, like a person who works paycheck to paycheck, is going to have a different health outcome compared to individual who is wealthy. A person who who has to go to work, who is paycheck to paycheck, they're most likely going to be overstressed, overworked. They're going to probably do the most. And we live in a society where pills are considered the best way to get over your pain, which is like the hor- most horrible thing. Instead of going to doctor, people would rather take ibuprofen and Tylenol. But that's been normalized in our society
0: people say things like opioid crisis versus crack epidemic, like you can just tell the way in which, you know, a lot of medical people, like a medical officials were really treating those situations completely different and how when it came to white people who were doing crack, it was a huge concern for society and that, you know, it was an endanger, and people had to hide it from their kids and, you know, all this other stuff. But then when it was occurring in black communities, It was like, oh, it's nothing. Oh, that's just Black people. They just do drugs. And it's so sick. And I think that's transferred now to COVID and the fact that people are talking about, well, Black people are just at higher risk of catching COVID. And it's like, what does that even mean? And they're like, oh, well, Black people are dying at higher rates of COVID. Well, what does that mean? Like, why are you guys just stating facts when there's much more to just these facts of, well, Black people are being affected and are at higher risk than any other group of people. There's a reason for that. And people are so negligent of this because they don't give two shits about what Black people in America deal with on how many different levels. And I just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being considered just another statistic and another number and not being taken care of seriously, but that my health doesn't matter and that my life doesn't matter. And people really think that Police officers are the only ones in the system that we need to be worried about. Now nah, we need to be worried about every single government official because they don't give two shits about our lives. As y'all can see, we could talk about this all freaking night, but we're not going to hold y'all up. We're definitely going to come back to this and have another segment on this. But thank you to our special guests, Ayan and Ahlam, for tuning in.
2: Don't forget to tune in to our previous episodes and look out for new ones as well. Make sure to keep up with us on Instagram at Shakur Entertainment and follow and subscribe on our podcast platforms to stay updated. Talk to y'all soon.